Welcome to Global Outreach Community Church, where we proclaim and demonstrate the love of God through Christ. Now, from the Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas, here is Pastor Anderson with today's message. Philippians chapter 1. You know, God has really impressed on my heart to stay with this theme of joy. Because as I forestated, 72% of believers are living life without joy. And you can't make it in today's society if you don't have joy. So this morning, I want to talk from that theme of joy. The last two weeks, we talked about choosing joy. But today, I want to talk about maintaining a joyful heart. So in Philippians chapter 1, this is going to be our platform because for the next month or two months, we're going to go through the entire book of Philippians. So today is basically an overview of maintaining your joy, and we want to look at it from Paul's perspective. So in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, bond, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. And verse 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Maintaining your joy. This week, I had the honor and the privilege of participating in leadership training led by retired Navy SEALs. And I would tell you, this was probably the hardest thing I have ever done in my life that we flew to San Diego. And when we arrived at the hotel, Mr. Selvin, I thought that we were there to learn about leadership by taking pen to a pad and taking notes. But lo and behold, when I arrived, the first two hours of the class was about leadership, emotional intelligence, that if you have to be a great leader leading other leaders, at some point you have to have emotional intelligence, that you can't get emotional at all times and your emotions are never in check and you lose everybody because you don't have emotional intelligence. I said, good, I'm good with that. I like that. Let's, let's keep writing. And then we talked about how do you push your body to the brink of failure and fatigue. And when you get to the brink of failure and fatigue and you have pain, when you want to quit, there's 80% more energy left in your body, and you have to tell your mind that you can get through it despite the pain. I said, oh, yeah, I like that. But all of a sudden, Ms. Johnson, after two hours, they told us to get up out the seats, to head out the doors, and to go to the beach. And we get to the beach, and as soon as we get to the beach, they tell us, drop them. And we did about 30 push-ups. And in my mind, Jeremy, I said, man, I didn't sign up for this. But it was too late, I was all in. 
So we did 30 push-ups, got back, stood at attention. After we stood at attention, we got into th th uh, teams of three. I was on boat crew number one. And we got into our boat crew. And all of a sudden, they told us, Camille, to run into the beach water with all we have on. And I said, hey, bro, brothers don't get in the water. Everybody started laughing. Because there was three brothers, and they looked at me and said the same thing. I said, wait a minute. You want us to get in the water with all our clothes on? And the chief said, yes, but I want you to go underneath the water, get up, and do it three times. Run back to the beach, roll all the way down the beach, and make sure that sand over every part of your body. And if Master Chief said it, you did it. So we ran to the ocean, got down in the water three times, ran to the beach, rolled all the way down the beach, and got every part of our body covered with sand. We had to stand up at attention, and it was a guy wiping sand off his hand. And Master Chief said, listen, get back down and do 30 more push-ups. We had to get more down. We got up, we wiped the sand off. Get back down and do more push-ups. We had to do more. The point was, he says, you're worrying about the sand. It's not about the sand. Don't you think you're gonna get dirty all day long? Stop worrying about the stuff that's insin uh, insignificant and you need to worry about your assignment. Come here this morning. Sometimes we worry about the insignificant and we forget about God's assignment on our life. We forget about God's calling on our life because we're worried about the insignificant sand. If you live long enough, you're going to get sand on yourself. Can I tell you what sand is? You will get sick. That is sand. You will get an unexpected bill. That is sand. You may lose your joy. That is sand. Don't worry about the sand, but worry about your assignment. So we do that for about an hour. I said, oh, I know we're through. Hey, let's head to the open field. We went to the open field. And Brandon, go to the back end, because I'm going to come back to this. We had to get in a line and pick up a 250-pound log. And we had to make sure we did it precisely that every man had to pick up this log, and if we didn't do it right, we would blow a knee out. We would hurt our back. We would hurt our shoulder. So we had to get down, get up, pick up the log, stand at attention, stand back, do squats, get at attention, get back, do some more squats, drop the log, get at attention. We had to pick up the log, stand at attention, do squats, drop the log, and we did that for 30 minutes. And if anybody dropped the log, we had to drop them. And can I tell you, my back was hurting, and my knee was hurting, and we did all of that. And then we had to do group dynamics. We finished that, and I said, man, I hope we can go to sleep. We went to bed, and the next day, Randy, we got up at old dark 30. That was 4 a.m. Grabbed breakfast burritos, got on a van, and drove an hour to get to the mountains. Took an hour to get up the mountains. We went to 6,000 feet elevation, and it was dark. We did a series of training. And then it got to lunchtime, Erica. And we couldn't even eat our lunch because the lunch was in a cooler and it was locked up by a chain. And the only way that we could get into the cooler was to go into the mountains with a navigation system, with a compass that I don't know how to read, a pencil and a map, and find a little note that they had wrote L on in the mountains. It took some of us two hours just to get the note. We came back, unlocked the chest to get some Doritos, some cookies, and they finally made us hamburgers. Well, Pastor, where are you going with this? You know why uh, nobody quit? Because every time we messed up, somebody encouraged us. You know why we never gave up? Because when we wanted to give up, somebody spoke a word of life into us. 
You know why when our knees were hurting and people's knees were swelling? Because we had guys 55 and 60 on the team. We had 30 men that we pushed through because we understood that if you encourage your brother, your brother can make it even when he lose joy. And then Master Chief said this. He said, listen, some of y'all underestimate the value of encouragement and maintaining a joyful heart. Why? Because encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. It is the oxygen of your soul that when you find encouragement that you can get joy in your heart and you can go from hell to high water. You can make it. They can take your car. They can take your house, but they can't take your joy. When you get some encouragement and some joy, you'll make it through anything. So here's the question I have to ask you. When's the last time you encouraged your husband? When's the last time you encouraged your children? When's the last time you encouraged your sister? When is the last time you encouraged your children? See, we do a bad job at encouraging one another. And if we ever get in our hearts that if we encourage somebody, encouragement will breathe life into them, and then through your encouragement and your joy, your joy will be contagious. So this morning, you have the duty to encourage this somebody. This morning, it's your role to encourage those in your house. That when you see them down, send them a word of encouragement. Do you know why I write notes? Because I want to encourage people. Because life is hard and life is unfair. But if you get encouragement, you can make it to your next assignment. <laughs> encouragement. So when was the last time that you encouraged somebody? So three weeks ago, I get back from Cuba. My wife said, Pastor Malcolm wrote you. I said, he did? And watch this. A friend of mine sends me an encouragement note. He says, brother, be encouraged. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you, my brother. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Stay in the fight, E. Love your bro. Do you know that encouraged me that week? That although I was in Cuba and I had a hard week of ministry, I got back. I was upset because the plane was delayed. I was hungry. I told you I only ate like a bag full of almonds. That was my fault. But when I got back and I got a note, that breathed life into me. Slow down long enough to encourage your brother, to speak life into them. Because when you encourage them, you will help them produce joy. So Proverbs, I love this. Proverbs 15 and 3. It says, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. Too many sad folks walking around, and because they are sad, now their spirit is broken. How is your spirit this morning? Because when you get joy, and it produces a cheerful face, it makes your heart glad, and your spirit won't be broken. But I love this, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Some people are walking through life with dried up bones. Their bones are dried up. And that word in the Hebrew, that word joyful in the Hebrew means to be glad, to be happy. In other words, we have to look at the good things that God is doing in our life 
rather than all the misery and all the opportunities to complain and all the opportunity to be sad. Stop looking at that stuff. Change your perspective and look at all the things that God is doing. You alive. You got air in your lungs. You got shoes on your feet. You got clothes on your back. You got a roof on your head. You got enough money in your pocket. I've traveled to places where they only live off of $30 a month. I don't know how I would make it with $30 a month, but thank God for the little change I have in my pockets. Thank God for my eyeglasses. It's the little stuff that you got to thank God for. Start thanking God for socks. Start thanking God for your little eyelashes. Start thanking God for your lipstick. See how mundane I'm making it? Thank God for the little things. You got braces, thank God for braces. Because braces know how to straighten your teeth out. We have to learn how to change our perspective and change our focus and praise God for the stuff that he's doing and quit worrying about the stuff that's happening in our lives. Joy. But if you dig in a little bit more, here's the idea behind the scripture. That a broken spirit dries up the bones. The bones are not only the main source of strength and stability, but they are the place where we get our blood and where blood is produced. Without bones, you will die. And some of us are walking around with dried up spiritual bones and we're dying because we have no strength and we have no stability because we have no joy. When you find joy, that inner peace that you have, despite what's going on on the outside, you can walk in joy and your bones are strong spiritually and your heart is strong spiritually and your mind is strong because you have joy. So where's the joy this morning? Have you lost it this morning? Where did you lose it? And the question is, how can you find it? Good question, I'm glad you asked. Paul lets us know how to find our joy. And some of us this morning, we need to be infused with spiritual joy. We just need a big dose of joy. Because if we had a big dose of joy, it would change everything around us. So here we go. Here's Paul. Paul is writing to this church at Philippi. And I read you chapter 1. And the whole theme of the book of Philippians is joy. It's rejoice. And the reason why Paul is telling this church to have joy is that this church supported Paul's ministry with a financial gift. They supported Paul by material resources. And he has a heart for this church. And this church is going through some trouble, but Paul, through his joy, is writing this thank you note, this love letter to this church to let them know your God shall supply all of your needs. That you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. That when you read verses like that in its proper context, you can't help but to find joy. But don't move too fast. Look at Paul. Do you know where Paul is at? Paul is in prison. Paul is writing this love letter, this thank you note, from jail. He's on house arrest. He has a Praetorian guard with him 24 hours a day. And the Praetorian guard is like an elite special forceman, that he is the one to be next to the emperor of Rome as the bodyguard. So the emperor doesn't put anybody by Paul, he puts the Praetorian guard. So Sister Anderson, come here. So guess what? I meant to bring my handcuffs this morning. But here's Paul. Act like we handcuffed. I'm holding your hand so I can check it off this week. I held my wife's hand. Woo! That's joy. See, y'all don't know when to shout. 
Y'all don't know when he, it's little stuff like that that will give my wife joy yes. because I held her hand. Did yes. you say yes and amen? Yes. So here's Paul. Everywhere Paul went, there's a guard with him. Paul goes to the restroom. Guess who's with him? The guard. Paul goes to sleep. Guess who's with him? The guard. Paul steps out to look outside. Guess who's with him? The guard. Paul goes back indoors. Guess who's with him? The guard. Get your exercise this morning. Paul, whatever he does, guess who's with him? The guard. He cannot go anywhere without the guard. So can you imagine that he is writing and the, the jailer is looking at him and saying, this man has got to be crazy. Hmm. That everywhere he goes, I'm right with him. That when he sits down in the restroom, I'm right next to him. That when he goes outside, I'm right next to him. But he's right in his church talking about joy. Can you imagine how contagious Paul Joy was to get on this man? Yeah. Sometimes it's all about your perspective. That when you have the right perspective, and you have joy, your right perspective and your joy can get on somebody else. I want you to yeah. see that this morning. That's why you have to maintain your joy. This jailer, we don't know if he was saved. I know in Acts chapter 16, the jailer was saved. I don't know that. But in my mind, I can't help but to wonder, how did Paul help him by having joy? I want to speak to married couples this morning. Your spouse needs you. Because when she's down, you need to be up. And when you're down, she needs to be up. And that's how you have joy. Because marriage is hard. Marriage is not easy. And for my teenagers, if you want to get married and you think it's a walk in the park, don't you get married. Because married people have to act like it's just like a job. It takes work. And one of the things that we need to do is learn how to encourage our spouse because if you just encourage them, their lives will be better. So I'm gonna slow down. God is just pressing me to slow down. Come here, Selvin. Look at your wife. Miss Jocelyn, I want you to tell him three reasons why you love to be married to him. Right now. It shouldn't even take you long. Stand up. Tell him three reasons why you are so excited to be married to him. He's funny. He's cute. He's cute, I think. He got a job. And he has a job. Amen. Y'all don't know when to shout. He has a job. Now watch this. I'm trying to make it so simple that our teenagers understand it. Selvin, how did that make you feel? Made you feel good. Made you feel like a man. Made you want to just run through a wall for her. Can you see how easy it is for you to speak life to your spouse, to your friend that produces joy? And when you speak life to them, there's healing in their life. And now they can go to another level because you took time to slow down to speak joy into their life. You got to get better at speaking encouragement and joy to other folks. So in our ministry, we do that all the time, Randy. That when we go out, we bring coaches up. Coach? Look at the other coaches. Tell them why you like him. And man, you'll be amazed. So what I'm trying to tell you is, you have to learn how to have joy. So can we find this real quick and I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Watch this. Let's read it. Philippians, you got it? You ready, Brandon? Philippians chapter one. Watch the joy. Paul says again, verse one, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, 
to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. So Paul and his young mentor, or mentee, Timothy, are bond servants. They are slaves to Christ, and they are writing to this church, and they don't want to miss anybody. They're going to write to the overseers and the deacons. He says, grace to you, peace from our God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all remembrance of you. He expresses gratitude while he's writing. And then I love verse 4. Always offering prayer in my every prayer for you. Paul says, every time I pray for you, I pray for you with a smile. Every time I think about you and I get on my knees, I pray with joy. And then he says, I'm doing this because of my view of you and your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. You didn't leave me. You were thinking about me, that you are my road dog. You are my homie. You are my ace boom coon. And whenever I need you, you are right there. So Paul says, listen, because you are right there, here's what I'm confident in. Verse 6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. God thinks about you every single day, that you are always on God's mind, that God never stops thinking about you. And when you have that kind of perspective, that I am always on God's mind and God is always thinking about me, that whatever God started in me, it's God's job to finish in me. And so what you used to smoke weed. So what you used to drink a lot. God ain't worrying about your past. God is concerned about your future. So you hung out in the club all day long. So what you slept with a bunch of people. God ain't worrying about that mess. He's worried about where he's trying to take you. And when you understand, God says, listen, Crystal, so what you were sick last night. I spoke into your body. You got up and led worship. You was at the emergency room all night, but you had enough joy, enough in you, not to make an excuse, God let you sing. That's enough to run around this building. When you think about it, she could have been at the hospital, but God spoke to her body, and she spoke to her mind, and she got up here and sung. That's when you see joy. 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 18 times Paul talks about joy. 18 times he mentions the word rejoice in the book of Philippians. So here's where I want to close. Most of y'all saw Coming to America. Y'all remember that scene? On the stage, and the preacher's preaching. And Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy said, I'm happy to be here. Do y'all remember what he said before that? What did he say? Joy! Every now and then when you're home by yourself, you need to think about that one scene and get up and don't worry who around you and just get up and say, I got joy. Every now and then in your office, and I don't care who's looking at you, you need to get up and say, joy. Every now and then in your car with your spouse and you're thinking about the goodness of God, you need to get up and say, joy. Even when you're having a hard day and everybody's coming against you, sometimes you need to get up and say the word, joy. Even when you go broke, you get an unexpected bill, every now and then you need to get up and say, joy, when your customers don't come and you're not cutting enough hair, but you think about how God is still taking care of your family, you need to say, joy, when your students are acting crazy in class and you don't know what to do and your principal not helping you out, you need to get up and say, Joy, when you run into somebody's burning house and you got to kick the door in and you got to pull the water hose or the fire hose off the truck 
Every now and then you need to say joy when your sons are acting crazy. Every now and then you need to say joy. Are you feeling me this morning? God is telling you to maintain your joy by changing your perspective. And every day you get up, you choose to walk in joy. You choose it. It's a choice. It's your choice to walk in joy. It's your choice. It's your choice. So go to the last slides. I'm done. I got so much on these notes, but I'm just being obedient to the spirit. Go to the last slides of what we did on the training. It's your choice. It's your choice. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside. What matters is what we ha uh, do on the inside. So we're in the mountains. We had to carry this sandbag up and down the mountains. And my knee is swelling. My back's starting to hurt. We had to build this contraption. And once we finished building this contraption, we had to put water in here, halfway up in that wheelbarrow with the water weighed 215, uh, 250 pounds. We had to drag it up the mountains, down the mountains, up the mountains, and down the mountains. I was what they call the lead sled dog. I had to take the radio, and I had to radio back to the base camp, and I would say, base camp, boat crew one. They would give me my orders, and I would say, Roger, over and out. And every time I messed up, I hurt 29 guys. Two times I messed up, and they made me stand up and watch all these guys do push-ups. And not one guy got upset. You know what they did, Erica? Every last man came to me, gave me a high five, and said, Eric, we know you're the man. Eric, you are the leader. Eric, we believe in you. Eric, slow down. Eric, write it down. And Eric, help us out. And guess what? After the second time, I slowed down, I wrote it down, and I helped them out. The reason I was able to slow down and write it down and help them out is because they gave me encouragement. When you get behind some people and give them an extra boost and give them encouragement, you will help them to fulfill their role in their life. Who is God calling you to encourage today? Who are you walking around and you see they have no joy, but you won't encourage them? Who in your classroom needs encouragement? Who in the barbershop needs encouragement? Which student that comes for you to get piano lessons needs encouragement? Because it ain't even about the piano. It's about them. And we missed the opportunity to be about them. So this morning, if you know you're struggling with your joy, can you just stand up right here? I just want to pray for you. I'm not trying to call you out. If you want to walk in a greater level of joy, you don't even have to come up here. You can just stand right here. I want to pray for you. Because as we go through this series, it's about joy. It's about joy. The second time when I messed up, I got down with my team. And Master Chief kept talking. He made us stay like this for five minutes. My shoulders were shaking. I wanted to quit. Only a few guys quit. <laughs> Big Mike failed. This cat failed. But we told him, don't worry about it. Get up and keep going. 
And sometimes when people fail, Jocelyn, we just have to say, get up. Brush the sand off your knees and keep going. So if you want somebody to encourage you, I want to pray for you this morning as we close this message. Thank you for listening. Join us each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at The Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas. Visit us online at www.globaloutreachcc.org. Remember, your life matters because it matters to Christ.